Hey guys, Ilya Meritz here. Before we get into the last episode of the season, I just wanted to remind you that the reason we're able to bring you this podcast is because WNYC is supported by you, our listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want WNYC to make more podcasts like it, kick in a contribution by texting the word SEASON to 69866 or visit WNYC.org and click on Donate. Thanks. A warning. This episode contains some explicit language. Previously on this season. You can be part of history. You can be part of the team that changes the culture here and we become winners. Columbia football is in such disarray right now. What we're trying to do here is no different than a company that's gone bankrupt and it's been bought by somebody and they're coming in there with a new management team. It will happen. Columbia football will be great again. I mean, this is the first year where I feel like nobody's able to make any excuses and everybody has like the most to look forward to. It's happening. Okay. Um, girdle, then shorts, then top. That's, that's what I'm going to do. There's this thing that I knew I might have to do from the day I agreed to do a podcast about a struggling football team. How's that feel? I feel a little bigger on top. Yeah? Yeah, I feel a little bigger on top. It's huge. Right, so then... This We're in the men's bathroom at Craft Field, and in the mirror in front of me, I'm uh-huh. transforming. With help from Matt Collette, my producer, right, and Gabe Gilson, okay. who does media relations for Columbia Athletics. All right, then Matt, if you want to give him one of these, just a little... Oh, it like serves a real purpose. Yeah. yeah people actually move this. It's interesting. It really protects you. Like, yeah. I, I hardly felt that. And you know what? Strutting comes naturally when you have huge shoulders and reinforced thighs. So just tell me, like, describe what you're doing right now. Uh, I'm walking up the steps into the stadium in football gear for the first time in my life. And uh, I'm going to throw the ball around with quarterback Anders Hill. Uh, don't, uh, don't really understand what the plan is and feel like a total fake and imposter, but that's cool. Hello and welcome to this season. I'm Ilya Meritz. This episode, Columbia's final game of 2015 against Brown. We will try to answer the question that we posed at the very beginning of this podcast. Could this be a turnaround? Did the Lions have the breakthrough they all desperately wanted? But first, I'm experiencing my own minor breakthrough. The reason I have never worn pads or tossed a football for real before, it's simple. I'm gay, I knew from an early age that I was different from other boys, and I was pretty sure if I picked up a ball, someone was going to say I throw like a girl. But come on, I'm a grown-up now, and suiting up is a bit of a gimmick, but I also really am curious to know what it feels like to walk in the lion's cleats. Just try it. The helmet, I might have to get a... And that is why I'm in a cold stadium bathroom with a bag of gear. Girdle, padded shorts, special grippy socks, cleats, compression shirt, shoulder pads. It takes two men to lower them over my head and snap them into place. Jersey, gloves. Yeah, you can run around with that. All right, cool. Famous last words. I've already claimed the the succession plan for the last episode of the podcast. Should Ilya be seriously? Um, he's like yeah. orchestrating the fucking succession plan. 
Matt here, yeah. and this feels like the perfect point to grab the microphone. Number 84, Ilya Maritz, the 38-year-old walk-on from public radio. And, and Ilya, Ilya walks onto the field as practice is ending. Coach Bagnoli gives him a look up and down. Uh, you look good. You look uh, the part. Small guys can play too, I guess. Hey, absolutely. I just have to mention, Coach Bagnoli is probably the only man on the field who's shorter than Ilya. The two of them seem particularly small next to quarterbacks Trevor McDonough and Anders Hill. All right, we'll just warm it up first. We can go like 10 yards apart and just like, you can warm up your hands a little bit first. So just like, stand on the five-yard line. Just warm up for, yeah, you're good right there. And they start throwing a couple passes back and forth. Except here's one thing I don't think any of these guys thought about in advance. Even an easy pass from a Division I athlete is a lot for a first-time football player. Comes at you hard. And so this, like, this way you're throwing, how does this compare to, I mean, this is not, like, game speed, right? Or No, no, not really. We'll throw a couple game speed. We can run some, we can run some routes now. Okay. Anders tells Ilya to run full speed into the end zone, then turn and catch the ball. Okay, right. oh, okay, I'll be fast. All right, go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit, where did it even go? And here's the funny thing. I step onto the field all anxious, but the moment we start playing catch, all that mental junk just disappears. My mind empties. I only want to play. That first throw, though, it's not so good. Uh-huh. Do I, I want the stitching, like, See, by yeah, my fingers? Oh, like, by the fingertips? Yeah. Okay. As, much, as good of a grip you can get. Okay. And Trevor says, hold the like, ball here. Towards the back, not... A, okay. Let, let it roll off your fingers. Just like that. Yep. Okay. And it works. The star running back, Cam Molina, is watching from the sidelines. He's really okay. amused. He tells Ilya, make a triangle with your hands, right, like a Hershey's good. kiss. And then Ilya starts catching some of the balls. I felt like that could have, like, broke my, uh, broke my hand. That could have hurt. <laughs> It hurt. Pretty soon, Coach Bagnoli decides to get involved. No, 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 no. no, no. Let's he start said off that. with baby steps. Here. He we, said please. that. <laughs> all right. And so the, the first thing, just throw it over his head easy. All right. So just, just run out there. Okay. Go, go. Now look for the ball. Look for it. Look. As soon as you start running, turn around and look for the ball. Let's, you got to be looking right? the whole time. Yeah, I'm, okay. All just right. take two steps and look okay. for the ball. Go. Now look for it. There you go. All right. So that's the start. Now... Now we'll t- a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. For about 10 minutes, Bagnoli and Ilya work in the end zone. The plays get a little bigger each time. Now take three or four steps to look for the ball. Go. Okay. All right, look for it. All right, just run in a straight line now, right? Don't go all over straight the place. Ahead. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw it to you. And soon enough. There we go. Now keep running. There you go. Hey, there hey, you hey. go. Nice. Now you look like a receiver, right? I think we should end on that one. That was pretty good. Oh man, this was actually fun. I am smiling just thinking about it. So what did you learn, Maritz? Well, one, I can throw and catch a football and enjoy it, which is big. But there's this other thing that I'd observed but I had never experienced until now. Coach is a true teacher. If he sees an opportunity to help someone learn a skill, he's going to take it. You caught the ball, right? You ran a couple different patterns. You dragged your back foot in there like you see on TV. You have to understand, like, I avoided this my whole life. I never was close to a football. It's all right. (laughs) So it actually feels kind of cool to do this. I like it. It's good. It's fun. It's good. So now it's one thing off your bucket list you can check off. If he has accomplished nothing else, Al Bagnoli has definitely done this for the Lions. He's been a guy they look up to. 
a man they want to impress. Tonight, most of all, they want to make him proud. Their last game of 2015, in a way, it's Bagnoli's last game as a new coach. The Lions are hosting Brown, Robert Kraft Field is floodlit, there's a buzzy feeling in the air, and the game's being broadcast on NBC's cable sports network. The game of the week on a Friday night in Upper Manhattan. This is Robert Kraft Field at Lawrence Wings Stadium tonight. Columbia and Brown are playing for pride as we begin the final weekend of the 2015 Ivy League season. Brown 2-4 and four in conference play, Columbia 1-5, and five. but the seniors for both teams want to end their football careers on a winning note. And because it's the last game for the seniors, their families are here. Family members I've never met before, like Mrs. Foster, who came up from Pennsylvania to see Josh Foster play. Let me tell you, she is so happy that his football career is ending. Football was his dream, and because it was his dream, I dreamed for him. But football is not one of my favorite sports for any child. The risk that's involved with being a football player. I heard that thought from a few moms. Condensing a three-hour-plus football game for a podcast always means picking moments. For this game, the standout moments are the very beginning, the first 21 seconds to be precise, and the very end. You will see both how far the Lions have come and how much they can still screw it up. Moment number one. Brown's first drive begins on its 25-yard line. The quarterback hands off to the running back, and it's like he's spilling some kind of magic potion over the field because every single Columbia defender is confused. And the Brown man breaks out of the scrum and tears up Kraft Field straight into the end zone for a 75-yard touchdown, followed by an extra point. And I've called a lot of games, and a lot of them with you, Randy. This might be the worst start for a team oh, I can ever remember. Now Bagnoli says, wait a second, this is senior night. With, with his defense being the strength of the team, it's not supposed to start like this. Now it's Columbia's ball, and they're starting on the three-yard line. And the center snaps the ball high. Quarterback Schuyler Morningweg can't hang on to it. And a brown man jumps on the ball in Columbia's end zone. Touchdown number two. And they get the extra point. Again. So it's 14-0. It all happened in less time than I took to tell you this. Just 21 seconds on the game clock. And now it officially is the worst start I've ever seen for a team. Wow. The old Lions would have been destroyed by a one-two punch like this. But this night, the Lions fight back. It is far from a perfect game, but the box score tells a story. Columbia racks up 26 first downs to Brown's eight. They have twice as many net yards passing. Going into the final minutes of the game, the score is Brown 28, Columbia 23, and Columbia has the ball. All it would take now to pull ahead of Brown is one touchdown, and suddenly the pace of play speeds up. I learn later this is what's known as a two-minute drill. Seven straight passes with two penalties in between, right up to the Brown five-yard line. The Lions defensive team, they're all standing on top of their benches. The whole stadium is enthralled. Mornenweg throws an incomplete, and then another incomplete. It's now the fourth down, with less than ten seconds on the clock. Mornenweg takes the snap, he scans the field, a Brown man is coming at him fast, and he releases the ball, and it makes a high arc into the arms of a Brown player. Game 
over. So what an ending we had here to a game that looked like in the first eight seconds it might be a blowout. Brown holds off the Columbia comeback and wins 28-23, to finishing its season 3-4 and four in the Ivy League. Columbia dropping to 1-6. and six. But a good game in defeat for Columbia, at least a scrappy game to battle back through some adversity, some turnovers throughout. I see smiles, tears, heads sunk in dismay, and big hugs. I, like, knew I was going to lose my composure at the end of the game. Like, I, and I didn't necessarily know why. Like I said, it was, I started saying goodbye to guys, like, as soon as the final whistle blew. Cam Molina. And also this next guy, Hunter Little. We talked with both of them a few days after the game. They're both seniors. I feel like saying it was surreal is like a cop-out. You know, it's kind of like you let go, holding on to a balloon, and then you let it go, and it's kind of, you know, floating on, and you're just sort of wondering, you know, what's next? Like, what's the next step? The end. My time playing football is officially done. Or maybe not. I've heard a possibility of, you know... Uh, me going to the next level or playing somewhere, but I- I'm trying not to get wrapped up too much in that. Cam and Hunter both want to keep playing football, catch the eye of an NFL scout, or maybe even play up in a Canadian league. After he graduates, Hunter's heading home to Tennessee to train. For me, it's something I have to dedicate everything to. Um, it's a real gamble. I mean, it really is a long shot. Um, you know, I think. For me, you know, being in my position, I have to work as hard as I can to put myself in the best situation to convince one team to take a gamble. And I mean, you know, it's to take a bet on me. In the past few years, very few Lions have made it to the NFL. Marcellus Wiley, Jeff Adams, the odds are against Hunter and Cam. But this powerful craving they feel, it's going to stick around. At least two or three times a year, I have a credible, long, rememberable dream where I still have a year's worth of eligibility at Columbia. John Alex graduated from Columbia in 1989, and in his dreams, he is still playing ball. Never mind that he's now 49 years old. I go back, I'm playing, I'm, you know, and it's really sad when I wake up. (laughs) Put me there. What's it like? It is um, talking to coaches, practice, games, uh, you know, and definitely running into people at high speed. I love it. It was the best part was running, like, at full speed and knocking people, just running into people. It was a blast. This probably doesn't apply to everyone, but the game gets its hooks into these players. And when football ends, they sort of have to figure out where to get their thrills. I'd never seen an elephant. We almost hit about five of them on the way. So <laughs> a lot of guns. We were on the Tamil. You know, the Tamil uh, the rebellion was at full flight there. Today, John Alex has what he describes as kind of a sedate job as a wealth advisor at Morgan Stanley. But pretty regularly, about once a year, he takes off for some troubled part of the planet to do aid work with this nonprofit he co-founded. Wherever the latest disaster happened, he's there. Sri Lanka, Haiti, Nepal... Walking up a mountain in the Himalayas with a, you know, 100-pound 
tool bag on my back is I'm getting, I'm getting a little long in the tooth for it. My guess is that if you just sat in your office here and advised rich people on how to keep and grow their wealth and didn't do this other stuff, you would be very dissatisfied. I would be climbing the walls, man. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I guess that's what motivates me. <laughs> now that I've followed a team for a season and put on gloves and tossed the ball, I think I can understand just a little bit. Football quickens the blood in a way that is very hard to come by in ordinary life. It makes guys feel alive, like a bigger, better version of themselves. There once was a team that was not very good at football. They were, frankly, a bit of a laughing stock. One day, a new leader arrived, and he said to the team, We will be good. I will make you good if you work hard and do as I say. Who is Al Bagnoli to you? <clears throat> um, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of something that isn't sort of a radio fabricated response. Hunter Little, he is straining to avoid hyperbole. I don't know, he's, he's, a, he's a sort of savior-like figure. I mean, he really is. I mean, look at what he's done to the program. Look at how things have turned around already. I mean, the win-loss record may not reflect it, but shoot, we're not, you know, we're holding the top teams in the Ivy League to three points a game, ten points a game. We're, we're putting together, you know, five-minute drives, six-minute drives. I mean, we're, we're, we just ran 96 plays off <laughs> the other night. Al Bagnoli won over Cam Molina in the Sunday meetings where the team reviews game footage. Bagnoli, you saw, like, in these meetings, was never, like, really angry or, like, you know, he wasn't yelling at us or doing anything. Very different from these seniors' first three years playing for Columbia. We would have times where we would come in after Sunday, and they would either be so pissed that they'd be like, there's no point in even watching film today, or they would just put on the film in front of all of us and just call us out one by one on our mistakes, and it, it, (laughs) it was the most counterproductive thing. In the beginning of this podcast, we told you this might be a turnaround, and if you kept listening, we'd find out together. And now we're here, and I'm trying to figure out the answer. We asked Coach Bagnoli at the end of the Brown game, would you call this success? Um, I mean, it's, it's too early. It's, uh, you know, I mean, after one year, again, I'm, I'm not sure what people's expectations were. From the moment he took this job, Al Bagnoli has had to manage those expectations. He refused to promise a single win this season. He got two. So is that progress? Yes. You know, should we win more games? Are we capable of winning more games? Yes. You know, so it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's somewhere in the middle. But, again, it's, it's only one year, and it's a learning curve, learning a new defense, a new offense, a different coaching philosophy, and we're making progress. It just never comes as fast or as seamless as you want it to come. The very first time we met him, Al Bagnoli compared this challenge to a corporate takeover. First, you try to make the company solvent, and I think he's done that. Only then can you try to make a profit. I talked this week with Bagnoli's boss, Columbia President Lee Bollinger, and he was positively elated about what Bagnoli has done. It should be celebrated uh, uh, as his most significant year. Wait a second. Bagnoli already has nine Ivy League titles to his name. This year, his team finished in last place. You're calling it a success. It is still, you know, a, a two and eight record. <laughs> you're, you won't, you won't actually be satisfied until you have a winning season, right? 
Well, I I won't actually be satisfied until there's more than that, but but to take the same team, the very same team basically, and to be this successful with it, and that's measured really by success on the field in games, uh, not by the final uh, win-loss record. That's what I think is most impressive. If a turnaround is literally standing in the same place and changing the direction you're facing, then yes, this is a turnaround. But I know football players are insatiable. Winning is the standard. And until Columbia clocks some more wins, actually takes more than a few steps in this new direction, I say it's not the breakthrough they wanted. Not yet. Four years remain in Al Bagnoli's contract with Columbia. And this week, after the Bagnolis have digested their Thanksgiving turkey and probably watched at least one game of pro football on TV, you can bet that Coach's mind will drift back to the task ahead, to the strong and nimble young men he's going to try to recruit to toss the ball on Kraft Field next fall. And this is going to be his pitch. You can be part of the turnaround. You can be part of history. The Season is produced by Matt Collette and engineered by Casey Means. We're edited by Karen Frillman with Charlie Herman and Sean Bowditch. Jim Schachter is WNYC's vice president for news. This podcast was his bright idea. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. We had help this week from Simon Lehrer. Some of the music you've heard was from the Columbia University Marching Band. This is our final episode. Thank you to all our friends and colleagues who offered advice and support. Thank you to Columbia University and most especially the Lions coaches and players. We're also grateful to the student journalists from WKCR and The Spectator who welcomed Matt and me to the press box. I'm Ilya Meritz. Thank you for listening.